Hey, hi, hello, and welcome to the after party here for Monster of the Week campaign episodes 10 to 12. We are covering The Puzzle 1 and 2 and The Woods Part 1. How's everyone doing today? I'm just thinking about Wiglet now because Brandon talked about Wiglet. It's all I can think about, just those white little guys. Do you know what I thought about when listening to the episodes is Carrie Ann is me doing Brandon as a PC. <laughs> Carrie Ann is... Can you elaborate further on that? Amanda as Carrie Ann is Brandon as Tracy and Milo being like, I know what we're supposed to do in the plot, but I'm going to do this side quest <laughs> instead. Uh, and and just like fully committing to the bit. And this thing I've admired about you for years, Brandon, and it's, I'm, I'm channeling it now. That's really interesting because uh, Brandon's doing stuff that Preserver and Multitool would do by Les just running full speed at shit. Yes. <laughs> now, is Les the most responsible member of our party? Because that's wild. That's a real change in the Brandon Grugel character arc. <laughs> I don't know. That's a good question. I think we're all equally pretty responsible. We're all just kids, you know, so. Yeah. I think we all just I have I think Les strengths. is the most responsible one. I think, I mean, is evidence we're going to get to it in today's episode, but all about Phoebe wanting to kill Frederick and Les being like, I mean, I won't sign up to kill someone, but if you want to say, you know, like, follow down a loose end, then I'm down. That's a real Aggie move, in my opinion. I mean, to be clear, I said I won't kill a cryptid. I never said I wouldn't kill a person. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> it's true. I draw the hard line at manslaughter. Crypto slaughter? No thank you. No thank you. Oh, no, no. My line is over manslaughter. It's manslaughter, then my line, then murder. I'm fine with manslaughter, but crypto (laughs) slaughter? No thank you. Yeah. I want to look at, like, the data of this, looking at different data sets of, like, how responsible every character is. But, of course, you're, it's grouped by, like, the different colors. There's a Z-axis <laughs> for or something else for per campaign. So, yeah, Les might be the most responsible, but all of you are the least responsible characters <laughs> probably we've ever had on the show. So That's true. you're telling me that Les is graded on a curve this season. Exactly. Yes. He's, the most yes. re- he's the most responsible out of a group of 15-year-olds, yes. <laughs> Someone chart this for us, please. I know someone did Amanda's mm-hmm. character choices, but oh, you, yes. all of us, please. I need to share that, but Jaya made an incredible chart at one point on her Discord, and I, I forgot to share it. But it's like there's a scale of, oh, God, let me look at it because it's from so long ago. While Eric's looking that up, I do want anyone uh, who is bored and wants to do a, an entire read lesson to go and chart every decision that every PC has made throughout all the campaigns. <laughs> And then we can class them by like chaotic, responsible, yeah. or whatever. And then we'll see, you know. Yeah. And while you're doing and that, maybe... can you go ahead and just like track down every role I've ever made and show them <laughs> that it's statistically Nah, uh, super random. low. Statistically, <laughs> super low. <laughs> yeah. Or maybe we'll find out it's statistically not random and therefore my dice are fucked. <laughs> yeah. It's possible. Are you reverse Travis McElroying us by you intentionally rolling badly? <laughs> like you have a 16 and you're like, oh, I rolled a four. Oh, no. That, that sounds like something you do, Brandon. No. I think we've accused you of doing this before, actually. I actually, that is a topic that I wanted to address in today's After Party. In re-listening to these episodes, I realized that as a player, I am much less devastated when my roles are bad in Monster of the Week. Mm. In sometimes in D&D, mm. you know, I'll, I'll get the bad role and it'll just feel like an obstacle to the thing I want to achieve. Mm-hmm. Or I'll be like, oh God, I wish I could fudge this role. Or like, oh God, I wish it, it, I wish it went better. And in Monster of the Week, I just think, well, that's going to be interesting no matter what happens. Partly because of the experience mechanic and partly because like, 
all outcomes are interesting. And I just wonder, players, if anything like that has crossed your minds and, Eric, how you're handling kind of dealing with our roles and thinking about the dice as a sort of, you know, other player in this narrative in Monster of the Week. I think I prefer the dice rolls in Monster of the Week because statistically you have a higher likelihood of getting middling successes That's than right. yeah. like higher or lower. Whereas D&D, you know, you have the same likelihood of rolling a one as you do a 20. You know what I mean? So I like the idea that the more we roll, the more both we will succeed, but also the likelihood of like having consequences is higher. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was I was just thinking about this for that same reason. Maybe we'll uh, incorporate some some fancy dice rolling into our next campaign. Who can say? Ooh, Eric's touching ooh. his nose oh. like uh, either oh. he needs some cocaine or he knows a thing. One of the two. Yeah. <laughs> Eric, do you need some cocaine? Amanda can get you some. Yeah, Brandon, your roll when you roll, you mean cocaine. <laughs> <laughs> when you roll the devil's titties, you get to do some cocaine off the dice. That's how oh, it works. <laughs> That's true. That's why I call my dice nose candy. Uh-oh. Also, doesn't nose candy sound like a website that you buy dice from yeah, as well? Yeah, it does. Yeah. It does. Use code join the party at nosecandy.com. For <laughs> Eric, this is not hashtag not spawn. Not spawn. not spawn. We can't say a website that almost definitely exists. <laughs> I, know, I know, I know. Everyone tell your dealer next time you get a drop off to use code join the party and you'll get 10% off your drug deal. All right, Chigirl is going to go on incognito mode and see what kind of website. <laughs> You've got to incognito, Julia. One second. Uh, this is wonderful because I can come back to Jaya's graph. Yay. It is a graph of lawfulness by un- unhingedness. <laughs> so as Amanda has gone forward, you have become more lawful, but also more unhinged. That's true. I would say that Inara is very chaotic, but chill. As Jaya has outlined it, the, the x-axis is chaos to is the law, but the unhingedness is chill to the least hinged MF you will ever see, <laughs> ever. Jaya's handwriting is also gorgeous, so like Jaya's just no. winning all over the place. So Nara is very chill and chaotic, and then Preserver is a little bit more. There's like this wonderful slope. Then Agent Agent Smith from uh-huh. the comic book one-shots is a little less chill and a little more the law. Then Multi-Tool is like firmly in the middle. And then Dr. Birth the bones is starting this exponential growth that's <laughs> happening uh going of course to camp incredible love it fully unhinged uh, i'm I I, I I like sharing it. the screenshot of nosecandy.com with you guys in oh, the slack right now great oh hell yeah Wow. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a blank screen with a text contact us a 1-800 number and then an email that's 100 percent a cocaine dealer right <laughs> I mean, yeah, it has definitely. to be. It has to be. Yeah. Uh, to Julia, be. Julia, depending on how fragile you feel at the time of editing, Julia, charge your phone. <laughs> rude. <laughs> Highly rude. My charger's right here. I'm not going right to say here. how much it is. Eric, Eric, it's rude because my charger is right here, but because my neck is so fucked up right now, I can't reach down and get it. <laughs> oh, Julia. I just want, because the audience- Oh, is laughing it. hurts now. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> Uh, just for the audience, because they weren't here for the context, Julia was not in some sort of car wreck or anything like that. She just turned 30, or is about to. And I carried laundry downstairs, <laughs> and now my neck hurts. <laughs> 
aging is great. I'm glad that we decided to bury the fact that skeletons punched Julia repeatedly. In the back. <laughs> well, there's a reason I had to move both of the skeletons that were currently in my office. Though you can see the cool skull mask that I bought myself from Spirit Halloween. Oh, that is, oh, that dope. is cool. I noticed it yesterday and I was like, Julia just has an animal skull on her couch. That That's normal. I love the idea of Julia walking around with like the 10 foot skeletons being like, look, I can carry it from my back. Speaking of cocaine and people who definitely did it in the 80s. Oh, wait, Woo! I need to say the thing about, I need to say the thing about some of dice roll. Oh, that's oh, right. That's right. Sorry, <laughs> go ahead. All right. Yeah, I mean, I think you're hitting it 100%. It's very funny in a way that I don't think it's expressed as well with a D20 system. Um, that the variance of the dice matters so much more. You know, you can have a bonus to quite a number of things. I know you can have, like, up to a plus 12 bonus to stealth if you're a rogue. But, like, honestly, you're really just hanging around three, four, and five, like, one, two, three, and four Mm -hmm. bonuses, unless you're super, super good at something in particular. Um, So you're really relying on the variance of the dice. It's really hard to fail in Monster of the Week. You need to roll really badly. And I think that there's something about a 2d6 system, which kind of, like, as Amanda said, you are very, very likely to get the middling result. And, like, your bonuses are only going to be one and two. But I think that that reflects the things that you want to do and your ability to do so. Like, when you, y'all roll plus zero rolls, I'm like, uh-oh, bad things are going to happen. Like, I feel like in my head, even if the variance doesn't work like that, statistically, in my head is, like, if you're not good at something, I think you're going to do badly in it. And if you're good in something, I think you're going to do at least okay. Mm-hmm. What I think is interesting. But then again, the middling rolls are always, you do something for with a cost. That's what it, it shakes out to and i think i i'm really trying to figure out what that variance is for a d20 system mm-hmm. so we can have more ifs because you know D is so black and white it's either you pass or you fail but then again it's like you're going against the number i have in my head and do you hit it or not hit it as opposed to the numbers we've all agreed are what we roll when we roll mm-hmm. you know what i mean yeah. So it's just like it's a different system, but trying to figure out like, well, did you fail by some amount? Do I have a number in my head or are you just rolling? Like it's difficult to kind of wrap my head around because they don't lie on top of each other, which is why we play different games mm-hmm. and why we roll a D20 or we roll 2D6. Like there's a reason why these games are different because they tell different types of stories. You could like just say, you know, say your uh, DC was 15. And like if you roll within plus or minus two of 15, then it's a middling success. Mm-hmm. And if you roll 18 or over, then it's like a straight up killer success. Yeah. I, I mean, it's yeah. I, I think that's definitely where you start. But then it becomes more complicated is like, are you invalidating the existence of DCs, which is the the building blocks of you rolling and hitting a number is literally the building blocks of Dungeons and Dragons, right? Like AC is the entire thing you beating saving throws. That's the whole game. It's like like, the strike lands or not. The armor is pierced or not. It really does come down to those kinds of, but then it's like, if you're within two negatively, you are so close and have an opportunity to do something else. If you give something up, Mm. like, I don't even know what the thing is that you would give up. And then would you be satisfied if you rolled a 15 and the DC was 15? If I was like, you do it okay, I, I don't know if that would be dissatisfying the players yeah. necessarily. So it's like I'd have to I'd have to have a lot of different tiers, and then I don't know if we're pulling away from what makes the game the game. Mm-hmm. You just have like two different kinds of roles, right? Like you could have a, a black or white, like does the armor get pierced or not roll versus like a this is a more exploratory role, and so therefore almost yeah, like it's in a initiative range. and not. 
Yeah, there's something. If you're rolling against a number, you're rolling against someone else. There needs to be a contest, I think. Because, mm -hmm. you know, an a AC is like a contest with a number. Either you beat the armor or you don't. Or you're beating, you're rolling, you're literally rolling against someone. But I think with checks, we've gotten closer with, yeah. is like you fail, you don't know anything, or you get a false piece of information. But I think that that's interesting. What I, that's what I like about Monster of the Week is like um, for some of the sharp rolls, it's like tell the monster something about you mm -hmm. or I get to tell you whatever you want and you don't know if it's real or not. Yeah. yeah. And I wonder if I can incorporate that more into stuff or it's like I give you a – because, you know, sometimes when someone rolls like an 11 on perception, I'm like it's kind of hazy. Yeah. <laughs> and I wish I wish that there was something I was like I'm going to give you two pieces of information and one of them – I'm going to tell you right now one of them is false. And you uh, They're twins. One. one can only lie and one can only <laughs> tell the truth. But we got to see kind of both of these things you're referring to in action. We get to see, of course, Phoebe's premonitions, which are, you know, sometimes helpful, sometimes misleading. And we get to see Les add a new move to his playbook all about, you know, seeing things before. And I thought they were both really interesting and added a lot of flavor to all these episodes. Yeah. Well, let's refresh ourselves on what exactly happened in these three episodes. I feel like these were very eventful. It was great. Oh, yeah. So in, of course, the puzzle one, we meet Crudo Anaconda. Honda. We uh, see Phoebe get a, uh, a vision of Les riding a moose. Carrie Ann gets the memo that she must win this contest as the best friends play test the puzzle clerics, which again, I forgot that it was called PC until the end of the episode where me was like, why are we calling him the PC? And then I, I remembered in the future from the past. Um, and and the, these adults don't have any history with each other. No, totally none at all. Fine. Eric, at all. did we raise you too much in character? Are you okay? Julia, that's actually something that Paul wanted to know as well. Um, Eric, were you expecting the puzzle Claire to get dunked on so consistently by the best friends? I was not. <laughs> However, that's what happens when adults walk into some teens, yeah. man. Like yeah. I'm I'm unsurprised, especially when you sniffed out. Because again, this I, I had this experience. I was a high school teacher, and of course I was a camp counselor for a very long time. And all they want to know is stuff about you that they shouldn't know, right? <laughs> so when they sniff it, when they when they sniff it out, they know that there's a thing. So you all sniffed out that they had a weird relationship with each other, and then you would hundred percent hit it as hard as possible so I'm just like that's fine <laughs> you yeah. keep doing it and the fact that you had to pull the keys off the puzzle cleric I think only that only reinforced the fact that you had to continue to interact with him which I thought was very funny when you are an adult and you go into a group of teens dressed like Kurt, was it Kurt Russell yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean like you're just putting a target on your back really so like it's it, whose fault is it at that point really you know <laughs> They're like, what the fuck is what the fuck is Escape from New York? No one likes your duster. Let let's let's get into into Crudo. Um, TJ wanted to know: Is he based off of Hostel Gato from the Grim Adventures of Billy and Mandy? Yes, that is very perceptive. For those of you who don't remember who that is or, or watch that show, you know the meme that's like, no one is good except for one, and then this guy flips down his uh, like, what is the, what do you call it? The thing in your car? To the keep visor. Your, the visor. Yeah. He like flips it and there's like a picture and it's just you. That's a meme that goes around. <laughs> yeah, Haskell Gatto is a is a cartoon version of Kurt Russell from Escape from New York, who is Snake Plissken. Uh, he has an eye patch. He has the hair, like I described. He has the he has the leather jacket. He was very very cool in the eighties. <laughs> Let's talk about the name Crudo Anaconda, Eric. <laughs> yeah, because when you said it on the recording, I said to you, "Fuck you." Do we want to yep. explain why? <laughs> Uh, I do. I had this 
I screenshotted this, Great. I think. Totally unrelated to anything, but in the vein of making Julia feel better about her aging, I am about to take a, uh, a Pepsid, an acid reducer pill. So, because I'm morning drinking coffee comes. in order to do that now that I'm 30, I must take that pill. Yep. <laughs> yep. Yay, See, coffee goes. I feel so advanced that I've had tum problems my entire life. I'm just like, mm, delicious. We're settling into <laughs> our, like, our, you know, peak era. Incredible. Okay, so this is what happened. We were preparing characters for our highest level Patreon tier when we get to play an individual game with you. We were playing a game, we were going to, and also, we've done two so far. The two we've done it with so far, you are incredible. So So great. You guys are amazing. We played played a Victorian game of us being like uh, little women children with Garrett, (laughs) which was so much fun. And we were preparing for this game with Kat. We were playing... Uh, Mothman, which we mm-hmm. played on on Mike before because so Mothman he won't go home. Go, he won't go home. Go so we were coming up with characters, and then Julia said, "I'm gonna play a sous chef at a fancy restaurant, but the restaurant is closed down for renovation, so I have no idea what to do with myself being home for this long." And then we all were like, "Wow, Julia, what a great character!" <laughs> and then I kept throwing character names at her. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I said, "Can their name be Fromage Crudo or Crudo Fromage?" Or Crudo Bouillabaisse or Crudo Escabeche. He just really liked Crudo. And I was like, no, I don't think so. Well, as I drag Eric along on my journey to watch every food competition show ever made, people love to make a Crudo yeah. because you don't have to cook. You just prepare a raw food. Yeah, yeah. with like an acid over it. Mm-hmm. I just thought it was such a funny word for a name. And I thought it was like vaguely <laughs> fantastical. And then I realized I forgot to come up with a name for the puzzle cleric. I just been calling a puzzle cleric in my notes. So I'm just like, all right, it, it, there's a lot of references. For those of you who play Metal Gear Solid, this is a reference. Anytime anyone uses call someone Snake, it's a reference to Snake Plissken from uh, oh. from this movie. Oh, like, I didn't realize he that. Is, he is, I don't know. It's very much a tradition of calling your badass hero Snake or some sort of snake. <laughs> so I'm just like, boom, his name's Crudo Anaconda. <laughs> and then Julia, Julia was very stuff. mad. Oh, so good. I want to make a point that you, that's where you keep all of your business savvy and your ability to do finance. <laughs> that's why I have references in my brain. Yeah, it makes sense. Well, Dominique Wiki also wanted to know why you chose the Spanish word for raw to name your character, but that's why. Inspired by sous chefs. Dominique followed up and said that there's an expression that you can use crudo as tough. Like, oh, I just did something so tough. Or like that test was so tough, you would call it crudo. Fucking raw. Which I think is really great as well. So I'm just like, yeah, he's an action hero. His first name means tough and his second name is a snake. (laughs) (laughs) That's why. And Eric, why don't you tell us about the tefillin that the Crudo Anaconda puzzle cleric is wearing? Oh, that's right. I had seen this oil painting a really long time ago. I can't remember. It just kind of came across my Twitter feed and I saw it and I put it in a I put it in a tab for a really long time because I wanted to make a bounty hunter who, you know, the bounty hunter trope who's like super religious, you know, there's or like, like a, a crusading like. Yeah, yeah, like, like either, demon slaying. Oh, yeah, oh, demon slaying. Constantine, what Brandon's saying, or like someone who has like a big cross <laughs> while they're also killing vampires sure, or something, match. or like just a bounty hunter that is also like very deeply spiritual or religious in their fantasy setting. Yeah. It felt like a, a, a trope to me, and also I'd been watching a lot of. Uh, anime at the time, and a lot of animes love to use crosses, but just for aesthetic, not just, just for aesthetic. Just for aesthetic. Yeah, they're just like, oh, look at this, look at this religion we don't know anything about. It's so <laughs> funny. So I wanted to do something like that, and I saw this painting, and I'm like, this, I really want there to be a bounty hunter who has 
like these Jewish iconography, this tefillin. And the last time I had been talking about tefillin, for those of you who don't remember, it's like a little box that you tie around your arm and put on your head with tied with black leather. And I just thought it was tight as fuck. And the last time we talked about it was when this is the only place that the the lich keeps their souls. Yes. So I was like, oh, this would be cool. So I really wanted to have this thing that was referential. I wanted to come up with this like quasi-crypto religion cult thing that had to do with puzzles. And I you, you didn't end up using it because you all decided to kick this adult man's ass instead. <laughs> sure did. But he was going to crack them open and give you clues, oh, which I know. was kept with it, which was kept within these puzzle boxes, I which he has tied that. to, which he has tied to his body. Yeah, gotcha. Um, well, yeah, I didn't realize what the tefillin was. I I never heard of that, but I looked it up afterwards, and um, that's the coolest fucking thing ever. And I don't know why everyone just doesn't wear those things ever because it's cool as fuck. <laughs> It, it really does. I mean, people don't see it outside of, like, incredibly religious people who do it publicly or, like, do it at the Wailing Wall in Israel or when, when you see, like, someone in an airport praying, you know? You do it for your morning prayers, usually, because mm. it's, like, you keep – there's, like, a – the whole point of it is that in the box is a prayer that you keep so it's on your head and your and your arm, which is a reference to a story in the Torah. The point is, it looks tight as it fuck. Does, yeah. <laughs> and that's why I wanted to bring that aesthetic in, and I thought there was something about crude that I needed to say he is cool if you looked at him when he was a young bounty hunter or a young monster hunter. But now he's the same guy he was for 20 years. And I think you all hit on that by the teens bullying him because he's just like it all. He's just a guy with the same aesthetic as he had when he was like 20, 25. Yeah. Right. Which Which was really fun. That's hilarious. I want to make fun of this man all the time. That's fine. You, uh, Julia, you did enough for a lifetime. Good, good. <laughs> I thought it was so funny when you called him a colonizer. It was yeah. so funny. Uh, <laughs> it was also made so fantastic by Brandon putting in that music and then <laughs> it was cutting so it good. off when Phoebe interrupted with that. Brandon, the timing, beautiful. beautiful. Thank you, because I did work on that for a good 10 minutes to figure out. Yeah, right. yeah, dogs. <laughs> Brandon, yeah, we'll get dog. to it, but your your voice filter work on Eric's PCs in <laughs> the Puzzle 2 oh, made so me funny. laugh and laugh. But first, we have to kind of take in the fact of the bouncy castle. So Zoe and Eva both wanted to know, where did the idea for everything being a bouncy castle come from? Eva! Good... Sorry. Well, don't worry, Brandon, we're going to talk about the aliens next. <laughs> it was a Wally reference. <laughs> I thought uh, it was like, claw. It's a, it's a legally distinct claw. <laughs> the legally, it's a different thing. It's the grabber. It's a hand. I This was a reference to a one-shot we did back in campaign one. I don't even remember when we recorded this. This went into like someone else's humble bundle thing. I got really fascinated with those really, really big bouncy castles or like the obstacle courses that are inflatable. You know, you can you can kind of pair this with like American Ninja Warrior stuff where it's like a, a whole setup that's an obstacle course that's also parkour. But like there was a there was a story that like a 200 foot inflatable obstacle course got stolen. And I had done that in a one shot all the way back in Camden one years ago. And I thought it was really funny. And I've included this in all of our campaigns so far of doing an obstacle course because I find them deeply funny. So this one, I just thought it was funny if you went inside. I was actually inspired by Infinity Train, which had been back yeah. in the news because it got fucked by HBO Max. And Infinity Train is one of my favorite cartoons. I've been finding a lot of inspiration from cartoons for the campaign. I've already said a lot from Gravity Falls, a lot 
lot from Adventure Time of like pushing the horror angle, but it, the, the, you can body horror as much as you want, but it's still for children. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Which I've been finding really funny. So from Infinity Train, you going into each room, I thought much like Infinity Train, we have to go and find the golden doors at the end and I thought it would just be really funny if everything was made out of inflatables because that's what he would have that's what this thing would be even if it's magical it's it all needs to be made out of the material to be inflatable hey Eric you were right it was very funny hey it was great there is a moment in the first one when I said that an inflatable bird flew by and I'm like (laughs) yeah this is pretty funny yeah I also was trying to give you all something to bounce off of, no pun intended. Hey, sorry, (laughs) it happened anyway. (laughs) Because I really did not, I did not have secret versions of rooms that I was going to come up with. I needed you, like the move was very clear. You come up with the move and either it's easy, it's hard, or even harder as I fuck you up. So like I didn't even, I wanted to give you all parameters to be able to come up with silly things as you came up with your next room. But remember, they're all it's all made out of an inflatable and stitched together. Well, let's get into that because Julia and Brandon had some absolutely fantastic ideas. I love the director's Amanda. office as well. But just to remind us, the first room was the one we did not come up with. It was that climbing wall uh, where Les got laid up by the Chinese finger trap briefly. Mm-hmm. Les saved Phoebe and their faces were close together, but they did not almost kiss because uh, Les was too scared of Phoebe's power. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in uh, episode 11, we saw... Both of them made a face like they did not. They did not. That would never would have happened. It was a good, it was a good like two feet, you know. Uh-huh. Sure. <laughs> we saw a magical forest. I don't know. Wait, sorry. Let me look at this fan art I'm looking at. They're definitely inches away from each other. Centimeters. Huh. Yeah. Interesting. Centimeters. You can see the energy between the between them. <laughs> Julia brought us the magical forest with the inflatable unicorn whose voice is my favorite voice of all time. <laughs> Eric, you sound exactly like Alex Hirsch with the yes! filter that Brandon put on your voice. <laughs> it was it incredible. Sounds like him. Yeah. You sounded just like Bill Cipher. Yeah. This is so good. That's wonderful. I'm very happy to That's hear really that. Funny. It was very good. We then saw the director's office. Incredibly funny that Cruda would just have prepared that uh, and have it in the pyramid. I know that was so um, fun. That was so funny <laughs> that you were just like, that you were just like, yeah, it's the director's office, and I'm like, yeah, Crudo would know every inch of that. You're right. They don't have any fuck. weird relationship. Brandon brought a space camp, but Julia was also an enthusiastic co-signer. Mm-hmm. And then we also had that final um, two rooms: the pyramid with the sarcophagus wow, that so Phoebe got Amanda. trapped in, and then the Victorian room. So I mean, God, what a carousel of delights here. Truly. I did have a question, Eric. When you were considering Amanda's choice of the camp director's office, like, did that just like cement the relationship, or did you have that relationship with Crudo and the camp director already like on your notes? Like, this is this is the case, or you like you know how they're we're exes. leaning into this now. Good, good question. Yes, they were. Well, this was the part. I think that's what you all sniffed out, and why you bullied him so much. Yeah. You knew there was a secret. Yeah, secret I know voice. how to do laundry. <laughs> he makes direct eye contact with the director. So funny. Well, Julia yeah. doesn't. So. <laughs> oh no. No, I just don't know how to carry it properly without hurting my back. Brandon. <laughs> Julia doesn't know how to dark souls roll her way while she's not getting attacked by skeletons to do her laundry. Yeah. Julia, here's the thing. Jake could make a dumbwaiter to the to the basement. So I just want you to consider that. Hmm. In your pantry. <laughs> I'm just putting the thought out there. You can do with it what you will. And then when we come visit, we can be we can go in the dumbwaiter up and down. Wee! Wee! 
the point is, yes, the, they were, I always had written down that they were divorced and Boo is his child. So, and I thought <laughs> that, that was part of it. I I wanted to, again, a thing that I tried to do a lot as a teacher was keep my personal life away from my students, but they kept pushing me and sniffing me out and trying to like get little, pe- break little pieces off. And I think you all did the same thing. So I was really trying to keep it close to the chest because you have this choice, which I had to do with Phoebe a lot, where I'm just like, am I going to tell her the truth so she shuts up, but it won't work? Or am I going to hide it and she's going to keep being fucking annoyed? Yes. <laughs> Hey, I have to tell yes. you, speaking, we'll get to our Jewish NPCs of all during the party campaigns, um, but this happened in my conversion class with the rabbi who was teaching us all about Judaism, yeah. where every like little morsel he would say about his personal life, everyone was like, ooh, tell us more. Like, who's your boyfriend? What do you mean you're an atheist? Like, oh, your parents <laughs> don't like that you're a rabbi? Like, tell us more. And he, and he was finally like, I will tell you my story on our last class. You can't <laughs> ask me questions about me. This is about you and your yep. spiritual journey. Uh, no, this is not happening. That's incredible. I love that. Very relatable. <laughs> Uh, Lena, connector of dots, did want to know specifically how are these aliens legally distinct? Do they have more eyes, fewer eyes, more fingers, fewer fingers? Honestly, I've never thought of a better question for Julian Brandon. <laughs> Julian Brandon, <laughs> how are these? How do I not get sued by the Disney Pixar company? Uh, they have two antennas instead of one. Yeah, is that the, right, Brandon? Yep, and their green is a different shade of green. It's like an mm. army green like instead army of green. like a neon yeah. green. Uh-huh. Yeah, nice. Uh, their voice is different. Their pattern of speech is different. Their clothes, like, what are they wearing? Like, like kind of. Spacesuit things, jumpsuits. Yeah, yeah like space. So? Yeah, spacesuit things. Let's yeah. find out. So now they're it's wearing like blue with a purple overalls. belt, maybe. Oh, nice <laughs> space overalls. They're wearing Wario's outfit. <laughs> right. They go yeah. wang. They have they have like the you know that like crinkly silver material that people use for like Halloween spacesuits. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. They have overalls in that color, like a space on. blanket. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. yeah. That's so funny because they're all in shock that they're toys. Mm-hmm. Yes. Precisely. Oh no, I'm back in the IP. No. No. <laughs> cut it, cut it, cut it. I would also love to know, players, how do we feel about our greatest fears being a big part of this exercise, both lying about them and then, uh, Julia specifically, Abby said, How are you doing after Eric made your character admit that she fears not being special? <laughs> uh, terrible. I feel awful about it. <laughs> Extremely bad. It was a bad time. I was like, I know what Eric is doing, and I know that. As a character choice, I should reveal this thing. But man, it sucked. <laughs> Eric's making a dub with his hands. <laughs> I'm just, dan- I'm just Big dancing. Big mood. Julia, wrenching emotion out of you is a foundational text of my <laughs> I know. <laughs> and it hurts every time, Eric. <laughs> as bad as my neck hurts right now. Oh, no. <laughs> but emotionally. Eric, I just want you to to recognize and be proud of me for being the only one to just dive in and say it right ass when you asked it. I have grown, right. Eric. Except then you told Phoebe that your fear was puppies. Yeah, Phoebe, but not Eric the DM that. No, that was that was a hundred percent true. I also asked all of you, I made you message me uh whatever you said if yes. I knew or I think there was a role attached to this. If you failed it or something, I needed you to send it to me. And uh, Brandon and I know Brandon specifically did, but I think a lot of you did send it to me mm-hmm. uh, too. So that it worked out really well. Yeah. Are you proud of me, Papa? I Papa. am proud of you. Thank you for complying with a, a, a meaningful journey I set up for you. <laughs> uh, I think that there was something here. I It's like, you know, this was a teaching tool. This was the equivalent of an education, of an edutainment class. You know what I mean? So I think that there was something about something that Crudo Anaconda set up being very ham-fisted, especially at the end, with like, 
Phoebe being trapped in a bad situation and the only way to get out of it was to admit your feelings Mm -hmm. and then reinforcing that by making all of you say it in front of each other in front of an inflatable Steven. Like I I knew it was ham-fisted but I feel like that's what Crudo would have done because you have to admit to each other if you are supposed to be working together in this way. Like we don't talk about the I, I think that even more than the adventuring party in a fantasy in a fantasy game, like the monster hunting team is very much a unit in Monster of the Week, and I think they're reinforcing that in in uh, an expansion that's going to come out from Evil Hat later. But like the the monster hunting team is very important, and I think that Crudo was really trying to really trying to hammer that home. All right, so now you know as individuals and as people who work together, everyone, please tell me your greatest fear. <laughs> Oh, ever that I'm not as funny. I'm actually not that funny, and that's why uh, I'm not as popular as I hoped I would be. Damn. Yeah, that's the thing I've devoted my life to is is doesn't love me back, and uh, ultimately will leave me, you know, kind of penniless and and alone and unfulfilled. So mostly that and death. Hey, I was gonna say death. <laughs> Yours is just death, Brandon. Uh huh. One hundred percent. Death is the the worst thing I've ever imagined. Mine's is that I won't leave an impact on the world. Yeah, oh, that's a pretty good one. That's a good one. Yay! Yeah. Or how about that? Something that you can't control is really the thing that's pull, push and pulling the levers of you being successful and having a good life. Yeah, that's I think is intertwined with the thing I said. Yeah, yeah. Like, in general, yeah. I get that. Wow, this got that's dark. fun. Let's uh, let's all refill we our did all, We did all just say our fears. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> wow, I can't believe uh, I can't believe that got dark. Weird. <laughs> no, let's no, I agree with Amanda. Snacks. Let's go. <laughs> let's self soothe with some autumnal snacks as uh, as summer is drawing to a close, and uh, we'll be right back. I'll head to TJ's and get some some pumpkin spice things. I was Brandon. I was about to say <laughs> let's just list a bunch of Trader Joe's pumpkin snacks. <laughs> Okay, but the there's like a ginger snappy pumpkin cookie that oh, yeah. is out of this world. Yeah. Hey, it's Amanda. I know I have said it before, but I'll say it again. You should buy a pair of overalls. Whether you are worried about how you'll look or it reminds you of a thing you wore when you were a kid, it's okay. Breathe deep. Start wearing overalls and look like the comfiest, coziest fashion person you've ever looked like. I promise you, it's worth it. There's no right body for overalls. There's no wrong body for overalls. There's just those of us who are smart enough to wear overalls, nay, every day of fall and winter. And those of us who have not yet heard the good news. Welcome to the mid-roll. Today's pair is burgundy. First and foremost, thank you to all our new patrons, David, Sarah, Samantha, and Hannah. The party never stops in our patron-only Discord, so you should come through and check it out. You not only get things like party planning, that's available for all patrons at uh, the audio level at $5 a month, plus the video at $10. You can also choose to get things like ad-free episodes so you can catch up on the campaign and whatever comes next uninterrupted, plus much much more, including, by the way, the ability to play a one-shot with all of us, the actual cast of Join the Party, and it is so much fun. We talk about it in the after party. Oh, God, it's so good. Join at patreon.com slash join the party pod. 
if you have run out of Join the Party to listen to, you should also check out another of the shows in the Multitude Collective that's brought to you by The Mind of Eric Silver and facilitated in part through the voices of Brandon, Julia, and myself. It's Head, Heart, Gut. This is a debate show, a friendly debate show, a weekly friendly debate show, where we take an iconic set of three items from pop culture or the world we live in and pit them against each other in a structured debate. It is the absolute best, and we recently set up a public RSS feed for Head, Heart, Gut, where you can preview lots and lots of sample episodes of the show, eight episodes, in fact, for free. So if you've heard us talk about Head, Heart, Gut, and you're like, mm, sounds interesting, wish I could listen to it, great news. Search for Head, Heart, Gut in your podcast app for those sample episodes. And if you've decided that, hey, this is great, I want to join, I want to be in the multi-crew, I want to get all the benefits that come with supporting your favorite independent podcast collective, go on over to multicrew.club and sign up today. We are sponsored today by Inked Gaming. If you aren't living in a place with a super welcoming, friendly local game store, you should check out Inked Gaming instead. This is a go-to place for us to get all kinds of accessories for games like mouse pads, play mats, dice bags, even customizable stuff so you can get an inside joke or a character name or saying engraved into a mouse pad or put into some other fun customizable item forever. If you're looking for a gift for your game night crew, your GM, a friend, or just something for yourself to give yourself a little treat and make your setup a little bit cooler, check them out. They've also set up a custom promo code for 10% off for Join the Party listeners. All you have to do is go to inkedgaming.com slash join the party and use promo code join the party at checkout. The discount will then automatically apply to your order. That's inkedgaming.com slash join the party and use promo code join the party at checkout. We are also sponsored today by Backblaze. I kind of wake up in a cold sweat sometimes remembering that there were days when all of the data I cared about lived on my like, you know, 2010 MacBook and not in the cloud. And those days are behind me because I back up every single solitary part of my digital life on Backblaze. It's here on the studio computer where we record all of our episodes, on my personal laptop, it's on my work computer. It is everywhere because they provide unlimited computer backup for Macs and PCs at just $7 a month. It is such a worthwhile peace of mind to have because it automatically, in the background of what you're doing, backs up your documents, music, photos, videos, drawing, every single thing. And if you ever need to restore a file, there are so many options. If your computer is totally wiped out, they can mail you a full-on hard drive or flash key with all your stuff already on it. Or if you're just like, oh my God, I'm on vacation. I forgot a file. I need something. You can log on to the Backblaze app and download that one thing right there. It is so good. I've used them for years and years. You need it. You can sign up for a free, fully featured, no credit card required trial at backblaze.com slash JTP. That's backblaze.com slash JTP for a free, fully featured trial. And finally, now a word from our sponsor, BetterHelp. Therapy is a super useful tool that you can have in your toolbox when there are problems in your life that you're not sure how to solve. Sometimes just talking about the problem and describing it to somebody else helps put it in perspective or make it sound a little bit more manageable. But something my therapist and I work on is separating the anxiety from the reality, thinking about, okay, what physically now in reality that's in my control can I work on to make my situation a little bit better? Maybe I can't control how other people act or 
or what's going to happen or all those other unknowns that keep me up at night. But what I can focus on is making things a little bit better for me right now. And helping me become a better problem solver is something I've definitely taken away from therapy. And I do my therapy via BetterHelp. When you want to be a better problem solver, therapy can get you there. Visit BetterHelp.com slash join the party today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp.com slash join the party. And now back to the show. Wow. Thank you for coming back from the Williamsburg Trader Joe's, which just unionized so we can shop there and it's fine. I love the hold the cone pumpkin ginger ice cream things that you've gotten me, Amanda. Thank you. Apple cider donuts. Yeah. That's so good. Those hold the cone things are tight as hell. All the flavors. There's a chocolate, there's a coffee, and the seasonal is this ginger pumpkin. And there's vegan ones. What is it? Oh, yeah? They're little tiny ice cream cones. It's like, like the size imagine, of your thumb. Uh, imagine cone. like a drumstick, but they cut, but there's not a lot of ice cream coming off the top. Uh, but it's sealed in, and it's mostly just the bottom of the cone. There's and the it's so so good, gotcha. and they it comes in like twelve in a pack, so they're little Ooh, guys. Yeah. That's you know, I'm good. gonna be near Trader Joe's later today, so maybe I can only go to the sudden. unionized one. That's true, <laughs> Amanda. <laughs> we only support. We don't support scabs. You know, you know how much I hate unions. <laughs> Amanda McLaughlin, famous union hater. Amanda yep. McLaughlin, CEO of a company that's attached to mm-hmm. a collective, hates unions. Yep. All right, folks, let's talk about the woods, where I got to tell you, here we didn't have a lot of spoily corner questions because everyone's like, oh, I can't wait to see how this ends. We haven't even seen the wildest shit that lives in the woods yet. Mm-hmm. That's all I got to say. Yes. Yeah. I don't want to say too much because a lot of this was table setting. Yeah, um, Exactly. But it was really fun. I'm really glad that we got to do something. We we're returning to old mysteries, which is something that I had been uh, really excited about since the first uh, episode when the the waterhole mystery never really re- resolved itself. Yeah. yeah. Julia, tell me about your motivation to uh, kind of direct our action at the beginning of this uh, mystery. So one, I had been given the task of getting something from someone that I defeated in combat. And I knew that if Phoebe wanted to defeat anyone in combat at this point, it was that fucking frog. And so I think that like Phoebe was like, oh, well, you know, the best part about having best friends is they can help me maybe defeat this frog. And especially since the last time we tried to beat the frog, there was really only two of us in that fight. Maybe having all three of us there would (laughs) make it a little bit easier. I just want to say that <laughs> I, well, this is, sorry, this is a good, sorry. I just watched an episode of Drawfee where they talked about this, and I learned that the guy, the frog's name that I was referencing in the, in the episode was is Michigan J. Frog. Yeah. And he just gaslights the, a guy into starting a, a frog yeah. cabaret type thing and <laughs> doesn't perform. Yeah, he's a real bastard. Oh, so good. Much like Frederick the Frog, also a bastard. Mm-hmm. Brandon, were you thinking about Drawfee instead of Julia fucking ripping you for your player not being involved <laughs> in the fight? Yes, I was. That's okay, fair. That's fair. Yeah. Hey, Brandon, totally fine. Also because Julia's correct. Also, uh, it gave us a chance to check out the scary, sluggish, sort of silt-filled blood-red water that is taking over camp. Yeah, I didn't like that. Didn't like being in that. It was Mm-mm. a bad time for Phoebe. Mm-mm. Oops. No, Carrie Ann really wants to drink it. Boo's in a lot of trouble with Phoebe right now. Yes. 
I think there's something I was really trying to see like the important stuff about Monster of the Week because we're all still learning here. This was only our, like our fifth, sixth game session that we've played is that like, you know, you can't defeat monsters until you know their weakness. Right. And you literally went into Frederick's house and Frederick's like, deuces, <laughs> I can move <laughs> through the walls in here. Go away. Yeah. So I, I really wanted to reinforce that like you weren't going to just be able to do this if you charged in just with your big old fists. He got me good. He got me good. Totally. Hello, my baby. Hello, my darling. <laughs> Brad is just like, I'm just still thinking about that frog. It's the best character ever invented. <laughs> and there will be lots to talk about in the next after party about Mavis Beacon, about Boo and what the hell he's doing there. Can we talk about Mavis Beacon and how before today I had never heard of Mavis Beacon Same. teaches typing. So Me you neither. were like really stressing like, this is Mavis Beacon. She teaches typing. I'm like, that's great, Eric. Okay. Is that supposed to mean like- A public she... servant. Yes. Yeah. I was like, okay, so she's good at uh, typing. That's awesome. Yeah. I think the only thing I would say is like, the fact that Julia and Brandon did not know who Mavis Beacon was, I think honestly is fair. Mm-hmm. If you ran into the woods and someone said that their name is this, and you maybe you did or did not know that there was a reference to something happening, I think it's fair. And honestly, it wor- that's fine. Um, I think it was supposed to feel weird. I emphasized it so there was a sense of unease. So it felt like maybe if you didn't know the reference, you were missing something. Mm-hmm. If Les thought this was a mystery to investigate it, maybe he would have. But he didn't. And like, I'm not saying that, that Brandon, you should have rolled. Are your senses attuned that this is a bad situation or not? If you're not, if someone's literally not pulling a knife on you. That's like yeah. a whole a thing about all. Oh, that's the thing about, you know, that's the thing in true crime stories. That's the thing in adventure stories. It's called dramatic irony, folks. Do we know, do the people who's participating know that they're in danger or that something weird is happening? So I think I, I think it's fine either way. Yeah. I, think, I also think that kids, like especially teenagers, are trusting, you know, like they're not going to, if they see an adult who seems nice, they're going to be like, yeah, you seem chill. You know, they're not going to. Yeah, gonna, that's 100%, fair. 100%. Yeah. And also because you were lost in the woods and found a person. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was I very excited s- about that. Yeah, and a cool person too, like a person yeah. who can make stuff, you know, who makes stuff, and yeah, who were lit and in there, and I incl- intentionally included her fucking tight ass treehouse. Right. Yeah. yeah. So I'm not saying that Brandon nor Les did anything wrong. I'm saying that these were just choices, and the unease or whether or not you knew it is the way. That's just how a story do. Mm-hmm. Right. You know? Well, we'll see what lies in the woods in the next episode next week. But in the meantime, lots to say about, uh, all, including, by the way, what what all Phoebe's running to and if Chuck's there. Can't wait to see how that figures Who out. <laughs> but we have lots of fun questions here about our characters, about the game, and about the podcast, which I am always really excited when people ask about the podcast. So uh, here we go. This is from TJ as well. Now that we know the CITs are being trained in the art of monster hunting, if that's the case, why don't we see more interactions with other CITs? Wouldn't it behoove everyone to team up against the monsters? And what does that mean for the counselors that are still at camp? Do they decide to forego a more lucrative path to help raise the next troop of hunters? Or me, Amanda, I'll add... Or has the camp decided not to actually make monster hunting part of the curriculum and has that fallen away? What's the deal? As hmm. Someone hasn't watched Supernatural because clearly monster hunting is not a lucrative path. Brandon, <laughs> really we've not. talked about this. You are our Supernatural correspondent. Brandon, how lucrative is it? Scale of 1 to 10. Well, in the show, they have an elaborate credit card fraud scheme. Um, of course they do. That's, Naturally. A, that's over time just kind of hand waved away. But yeah, they don't make any <laughs> money. They just use credit cards that are frauds. Big mood. So, Eric, does this fall into who can say territory? Is there anything you want to tell us about monster hunting, re the CIT and counselor curriculum? No, I think we'll see. Who could say? Mm. I think it's also, and this is just like 
from the stuff that we've experienced so far in the show. I think that there is a stress on these like three person teams. Like at the beginning of the year, they put us into the like different CIT groups that are all three people. Crudo mentions that he and Friday both had a third person that was part of their monster hunting party. Mm -hmm. So I'm curious if it's like, in the way that like numerology stresses that three is a very strong, important number, maybe that like there is a magical reason that monster hunting teams are teams of three. It's true. Sounds tight. Whoever laid those breadcrumbs. <laughs> I don't know who say? did. Hey, these, these breadcrumbs, it's from a really good mm, piece of tasty. bread. It's I babka. Pick these up. It's, yeah, I, I, it's I chocolate babka. Sorry, Brandon. I dropped a babka. <laughs> is that bad? It's in the studio. Is that what, bad? What a big crumb. The full babka. Oh, <laughs> that's when I lord on you. I dropped a babka. <laughs> Maureen out of Work Bookie would like to know, why did Les and Phoebe apply to be CITs this summer? I think the answer is obvious for Carrie Ann. <laughs> Phoebe doesn't have a lot of friends. And so sometimes it's just easier to be like forced into friendship by being forced into a group by picking a job that makes you be forced into a group. Mm -hmm. Ah, Greek life is what you're <laughs> describing. <laughs> yeah, Phoebe's going to join theater. a sorority, guys. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, I think for Les, it's just kind of like what you do, right? Like, you know, he likes the, He loves the camp. He likes going back. So it's like, that's just the next step of stuff, you know? His parents were like, oh, I get a job. And he's like, cool. Yeah. yeah. You're only, oh, I forgot about Les's fucking hippie ass parents. You're only allowed to get a job if it's meaningful to you. Well, he doesn't need a job because he wins rock climbing competitions. So he brings home the money. Uh, yeah. Naturally. You know. What does Maureen do during the summers? Do you know? Mm. Uh, well, I think Maureen is out of work because there is no more betting on the Night of Mirrors um, betting pool. I meant I meant Les's sister, Maureen. Oh, but also Maureen. Maureen, yeah. did you know that you're Les's sister canonically? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> congratulations. Um, you can oh, you can only do betting as long as the greyhounds are treated really nicely. <laughs> I think Maureen is like the the black sheep that like the parents are mad at, but the, the, it's because like she's like a fucking like nuclear physicist who works at NASA or some shit. I was gonna know? say she wants to be an accountant. Yeah, that <laughs> yeah. makes sense. Yeah. Incredible. Casey, three kobold in a trench coat would like to know, hey, Eric, I think you've said a few times that in your head, all your NPCs are Jewish. Does that mean <laughs> the villains are as well? And how does that make you feel? All of the villains are explicitly Christian. No, I'm just kidding. Um, no, I'm just, I, I don't know. I really, I'm really don't know. I think this was more of a joke with Lake Town City, how I thought it was just funny to do a whole city that like all complied to, you know, Jewish holidays, like everywhere in America complies to Christian holidays. I just thought that was funny. And by funny, you mean would be nice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. Yeah, I mean, we can have a conversation about, like, what NPCs I feel like are extensions of myself. Are there villains who I feel like are extensions of myself? Because I really don't feel like anyone is, like, a Mary Sue of myself. I really, as I, I think I might have said before, like, I don't feel like I self-insert really as much. The closest one is definitely Crudo Anaconda, but... Yeah. <laughs> yeah I mean, that's I just you as a person. Yeah, I'm Crudo Anaconda. So, I don't know. And, like, do I consider villains and NPCs the same? No. Like... I don't think you're going to fight an NPC, you know? It's like, mm. I feel like you cross into villain territory when I give you an HP bar, you know what I mean? Right. And, like, I very much feel like I have villains and I have NPCs, and regardless of whether or not they're friends or foes, good example from Campaign 2, whether we're talking about Dez or January, or we're talking about someone who's more gray, like Dr. Morrow, or is talking about someone who you hate, like... Sour Anthony. Like Sour Anthony. 
Like, they are NPCs because they feel like they have... They're not the antagonists of the story. I know it was a little more cut and dry in campaign two, but it's like, it's pretty clear in Monster of the Week. It's like, you fight the monsters, and maybe some people are bad or annoying or you don't like them, but I feel like that's, di- I feel like that's different. Yeah. I don't know. It's, it's, a, it's complicated. There's a lot of stuff happening in here. This is what I think about instead of finance, <laughs> instead of knowing what my 401k is. <laughs> that's fair. Yeah. What you're saying is yeah. villains are the heroes of their own stories. I, this is a perfect time for us to say that campaign three, we're doing the Joker. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't even want to put that energy out. I know. <laughs> sure to bad. be well received by all. We're doing Todd Phillips's Joker. Oh boy. The Weird Wind wants to know, hey, on a special winter episode, what is everyone wearing and how are everyone's parents? Oh, I really like the idea of the best friends visiting each other in the wintertime. And yeah. Phoebe has one of those denim jackets that is also fleece lined. Mm. Oh, and like yeah. a little tiny, like one of those blue and green flannel shirts. Mm-hmm. And then also jeans, like is really rocking the uh, the jean suit style right. look. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Ever since we said that young Maisie Williams was Phoebe, yeah. I cannot get that out of my head. And that's I know. literally perfect. I yeah. know. What about Les? What is his winter apparel? Um, Les wears shorts and a t-shirt because, quote unquote, I run hot. <laughs> <laughs> of course he, he is does. shorts in the winter guy. Shorts in the snow at the bus stop. Yep. This is the exact opposite of Milo. Yeah. <laughs> Are all of your characters just wearing the same outfit the entire time? Okay, here's another graph opportunity. Brandon's characters, lawfulness versus shorts. Uh, <laughs> adherence to Those shorts. Those two axes, lawfulness yeah, yeah, yeah. and shorts. Length, yep. length of fabric on legs. <laughs> yes, exactly. Funny. Tracy, no fabric on legs. Yep. That's true. Mm. Amanda, how about Carrie Ant? I think Carrie Ann has, yeah, some like maybe flannel lined jeans like one Eric Silver has oh, from Land's yeah, End uh, and will break out sh- soon enough, I'm sure. <laughs> I think a camp crew neck or hoodie under like a big kind of Carhartt style mm-hmm. like work jacket yeah. and a, a beanie. Probably she rotates between a couple different beanies. What's her oh. favorite? I think her favorite is probably orange for visibility. <laughs> that makes sense. <laughs> Checks out and matches her hair. I need to ask, much like all of your characters that have red hair, do all of your characters also wear Carhartt? Yeah. And therefore, does Dr. Bertha Bones have space Carhartt and does Anara have fantasy Carhartt, which feels like something we should have come up with in, ca- in campaign one. <laughs> we should have come up with that in campaign one. No, I think just Aggie and I think Carrie Ann, maybe it's like a, a knockoff army jacket or something, mm. but like, you know, all my characters are, are plus size and all my characters have the kind of hair I wish I had, which is red and curly. So I, I think that like any kids shopping at like an army navy store like if thrift stores don't have plus sizes you kind of buy men's clothes because they come in larger sizes i think there are more options for kids now but there sure weren't when i was shopping in thrift stores and so i definitely see carrie ann wearing like yeah men's flannels you know men's work jackets um cargo pants and you know keeping all her stuff in her pockets because you never know when you're gonna need a zip tie or some twine or a pocket knife the space version of carhartt is rocket heart nice 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 i was gonna say space carhartt 
Space car mm. heart. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I know Bertha, Bertha Bones has like a kind of plague doctor-ish like apron, you know, sort of like many, many pocketed cargo pants. Jesus I think that's her version of the car. Right. I just industry. imagine. Lots of pockets. <laughs> I just imagine Dr. Bertha Bones with a plague doctor mask on and it's the worst thing I've ever thought of. <laughs> yeah. I feel like we have fan art of that and it's very good. It is. Now I'm imagining fantasy style plague doctors wearing cargo pants where they keep all their shit. It's good. It's good. <laughs> Uh, I just wanted to say canonically, there was times when, you know, when you're, when you're growing up and your parents say, like, go play with your cousins, you know, like one yeah. time every 13 years. And yeah. there were times where Carrie would definitely just like steal Les's clothes. And Les would be like, no, oh, stop yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. Carrie would be like, you're not using these pockets. I'm going to use the pockets. You're not <laughs> using the pockets. You don't deserve the pockets. But then as they got older, Les would go into Carrie Ann's closet and steal her clothes. She's like, that's a 60s vintage flannel. Come on. <laughs> no, no, no. All right, folks. Fear the Moose wants to know, are the best friends aware they're characters on a podcast? God, Carrie would only wish. <laughs> I think this is a reference to the fact that in character, Brandon went, uh, I'm going to let Carrie Ann do that because she has higher Better, stats. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, no, I think that was just a fun joke we made. Uh, Julia, uh, the answer is yes, unless it's Deadpool. So <laughs> Okay, sure. That makes sense. Oh that checks out. Brandon, if you told me you were going to have a Deadpool character, I would kill you and then say you quit the show. <laughs> do it, do it, do it. I feel like there are some fun playbooks that allow you to be like, I know I'm a character in a there are, yeah. RPG or etc. I'm sure there's like a fourth wall breaking playbook that someone's put together. I know in Valda's... You can do the the DM is your patron. Mm-hmm. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> I mean, we pushed on that a little bit with the time traveling uh, subclass from No Capes. That's yeah. true. I wonder, the thing is, though, that like that was no different than I think a lot of Monster of the Week allows you <laughs> the ability to tell a story, unlike in Dungeons and Dragons in yeah. some ways. Yeah, yeah. So uh, that would be really interesting. Unrelated to anything, I just want to say that no one, everyone forgets about Arnold Palmer, and he's my favorite character. <laughs> He's great, Brandon. He's great. Moxie's mm-hmm. one of my favorite characters, so I feel you. <laughs> the Moxie voice, I think, is a close second to your Phoebe voice, Julia, but it, it was a front runner for a long time. <laughs> hey, thank you. Brandon, what level shorts does Arnold Palmer wear? Oh, I yeah. feel like capris. Uh, yes, either capris or let me hit you with one leg pants, one leg shorts. I was going to say jumpers. Oh, jumpers is really good, actually. Jumpers, yeah. Like it came back into style later on. Mm-hmm. Well, I we did hit on that because he was like trying to fit into tw- to like 2000s fashion. And he was like, this is what I read in the history books. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Or they're like floor length sort of like, you know, those bell bottoms in the early 2000s. Or not bell bottoms, but like wide leg pants yeah. that got really dirty mm-hmm, in mm-hmm. The, on the streets. Oh, yeah, Jinko jeans. Yeah. Yeah, the yes, answer is yes. all of those. And he has all of them. He <laughs> rotates them. <laughs> For sure. Good. Jay Elmo wants to know, if you had to change one room of your home into a bouncy castle, which would it be? <laughs> My bathroom. I would just say bathroom. <laughs> Why? The wrong answer. So if I slip in the tub, I don't hurt myself. I just bounce off of it. Slip and slide, baby. Okay, yeah. I would say the stairs. I would say the stairs. <laughs> That's not a yeah. room in your house. <laughs> not a, not a, hey, you haven't seen our apartment. My apartment only has three rooms, buddy. But uh, yeah, I, I think the stairs, because then if I needed to like send a package out, I could just kind of like s- smoosh it down the stairs. Yeah. <laughs> and maybe our couch would have fit up the stairs oh if God. it had been able to bounce its way up. Don't get me started. Maureen would like to know, what is everyone's favorite Legends of the Hidden Temple challenge? 
I like when they have to answer trivia questions. <laughs> You're kidding. That's my favorite. Julia likes the steps of knowledge. Yeah, that's what it was yeah, called. Yeah, 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 yeah. I like when they had to run around and like find the pieces and, or like swing from the vines. That was fun. That's good. I always got really stressed out during the final challenge when they're like in yeah. the temple finally. Yeah. No, it was stressful. I like when they get gooed. I don't know. I really like just I don't think I have one in particular I really like the Shrine of the Silver Monkey that people get it wrong and that it's like a styrofoam thing is so funny to me but my real favorite thing is when the adults jump out and scare children (laughs) that is the best part it was always scary every time it was always scary it was the sound effect too it was like yeah yeah Uh, just a second here to quickly uh, pitch that if you aren't part of the Multitude Discord and didn't attend the trivia event, you should. It was super fun. Julia beat me by 39 to 19. So <laughs> simply cannot be true. It is true. It was. It was oh, true. It, it, it was true. true. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Julia, next time, it's we're going we're gonna to figure out how to deal with this, but you, you cannot be stopped. <laughs> It'll just be everyone against me next time. We've Julia, pitched I pitched that. I okay. pitched that. <laughs> All right, folks, Sebalicious wants to know, when did we start consciously planning the camp-themed campaign? They are asking because they've been binging blooper and party planning episodes, and camp is a recurring topic. Also, mm. the name Steven appears a lot, and I don't know if that's a coincidence. I think Eric just likes that name. The name Steven, like, yeah, it's just like a common thing that everyone says, it's like, Bim Bam and like a lot of comedy yeah. podcasts. It's just a funny name, you know? Yeah, there are some like white guy names that people. I you're a hundred percent right. Jeremy is one mm-hmm. that people use a lot, yeah. and I try to stay away from from those. But there are all some. There are just some really fun ones. The answer is sometime in campaign two, right? Yeah, like when it was going because we were trying to figure out what to do after it, and we decided we were gonna have a mini campaign and then campaign three, and then we wanted to decide what game we were gonna play and it was monster and it wasn't gonna be D and D when we did the mini campaign. So. I think we can look back on what, if we want to look back, we can probably find, like, if we have a meeting on the books for, like, sure we did, something yeah. like this. I can just search camp pain and see when I took a screenshot of me saying it should be the camp pain. Yeah. Yes. Oh, you that guys you guys want to feel like time is slipping away from us? It was November of 2021. Wow. <laughs> yes, that must have been our, that was our first meeting. Yep. Yeah. Oh yeah, I a hundred percent started talking about camp a lot more on other shit to see if people we were planning noticed. it. Yeah, amazing. Um, Seb also noticed that we did the thing we threatened in an early campaign two after party, and this was the the campaign. <laughs> Everything <laughs> yeah. is the blank. Yeah, we did do that. We did do that. Yep. Yeah. What are you gonna do? I I I mean, don't tell anyone. But what are you gonna do for the next one, Eric? I'm not sure. I, I wonder if the structure of how we play might be a little bit different. So I don't mm-hmm. I don't know. The way that our arcs fit might fit a little different, so I wonder if there's something else. I think I might just throw out like I'm gonna. I really love titling structures, so I might just throw out the 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 thing that we've done. But there will be a titling structure of some sort. Yeah. Dope. Yeah. Avi wanted to ask me, what's it like living with my DM? Do I ever get spoilers for the campaign or walk in on Eric cackling with villainous glee while prepping? And then they put in parentheses, that last one's hypothetical because we know Eric doesn't prepare at all. Okay, that's not true. (laughs) Eric puts in many, many, many late nights at the King of Games researching and preparing and thinking about the campaign. That is true for sure. Yeah, mostly it's me sitting on the couch and Eric being in the other room at the King of Games uh, laughing to himself. And I go, do you see a TikTok, honey, or are you planning? And he goes, I'm planning. (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes it's both. Sometimes it's both. We should play a game on party planning called TikTok or planning. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> Amanda records my giggles. But yeah, that's the extent of it. Eric is very good at keeping his uh, secrets secret from me so I can be, you know, pleasantly surprised and react in the moment just like the other players. In fact, he'll sometimes tell, like, he'll, you know, shut the door and be like, ah, oh, I'm going to call, you know, one of our creative collaborators to kind of, like, talk through mm. uh, a point. And I just, you know, put in put in my pods and save my... Because, like, I, I, it would be worse for me if I knew. I don't want to know. I want to be surprised here in the moment. So uh, it's, I don't know, it's, it's how it's always been. Now, as the man who lives in your closet, um, <laughs> it is a very fun and easy way for me to get spoilies ahead of time so I can mm. plan it's fair. It's good. Have you been calling my closet Seattle this entire time? That's pretty funny, Eric. I think we should start doing that. Have you seen me in your closet in the same room at the same time? You know, not since you moved. I feel like I should if I open the closet and you're just in there <laughs> with a microphone. And um, Yael had a really fun thought for me. Honestly, I would love a Stephen King's It style fast forwarding to see the best friends as adults getting back together to save Camp die mm, maybe, maybe 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 season two that's maybe more for you guys <laughs> love it i know nothing's off the table folks mm. all right people and then our final question here is from layla's gold who says what would the players do if they experienced what their characters did irl or i'd say just experienced your characters irl I, I can imagine us coming across Phoebe and being like, oh, sweet child, you're me. Us coming across Les and being like, oh, you must be popular. Us coming across Carrie and being like, wow, I don't want to cross your path. <laughs> I think I would just grab Phoebe's face and be like, you're so special. You're so mm-hmm. special. You deserve the world. <laughs> I think if, if I encountered any of the things that we encountered, I, it would change my entire worldview and I would be lost <laughs> completely. Yeah. Oh, actually, you know what? That that reminds me. I'm going to have a, a final, final question. This is from Cat Owl Dolls. They asked, is there a mythical creature that definitely isn't real or that cryptids see as a cryptid? Which I thought was That's so cool. Funny. Oh, interesting. The one that... I, I mean, this isn't a good answer, but the one that comes to my head is the jackalope, because that one's just like, I can imagine a Bigfoot being like a rabbit with horns. How is it going to hold his neck up? Come on. <laughs> right. They're That's hollow good. like bird bones. <laughs> I'm trying to think what, what human invention would seem totally like a cryptid, like maybe a robot, you know, but but like animals see Airplanes. Airplanes. They're just big yeah. metal birds. Mm-hmm. That's true. So you all get in a metal tube and then shoot off a ton of fire behind it so that you can go in the air for an extended period of time so you can... Like eat tacos in L.A.? For what reason? Not only that, bro. <laughs> we also do the same thing and go into fucking space. <laughs> that sounds dumb. Yeah. Great question. Uh, unfortunately, Amanda, I do have one more thing. that oh. I have a bunch of John Bones Bones mail that I have to read. Yay! Yay! That's right, because we, you know, the spoily corner is uh, you'll see next episode. But in the meantime, Eric, yeah, what's what's been cluttering up our mailbox recently? All right, this one is from I, basically a lot of people wrote it in for me to be for me to be John's phones phones and read their mail. I like it. In my head, someone just sent you their actual mail, and you're like reading a letter. You're like, from all right, well, you owe the IRS three hundred dollars. Verizon says pay now. <laughs> all right, this one's from Elizabeth Hunter. Whoever wrote, fun never dies at Camp Die and shredded cheese on the grass. We'll need to clean that up before noon so we can use that space for tag. Yummy. I'll clean it up with my mouth. Yeah, I was going to say, there is definitely an <laughs> eight-year-old who is out there with their mouth against the ground mm-hmm. eating that cheese. Mm-hmm. Okay, this one's from uh and- <laughs> Brandon just faced out eating the cheese. <laughs> that's, called, that's what we call fajitas in Texas. 
it's so hot the cheese melts and then you eat it off the ground. <laughs> That's so funny shit. Um, this is from Div Yanch. If anyone is interested in getting their future read, contact me. My aunt is a psychic and considered a witch. We call her the Bone Witch. Oh. That's a pretty good Stitching one. Stitching the lore together. True. This is the first one. I really need to shout out Isaac for sending this. Gavin's Garbage Gravin. I'll cover your trash duty. $2 or a candy equivalent. Find me at the Cicada Camp. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's a pretty good little camp side hustle. I like it. Yeah. I got in trouble in second grade for charging all my classmates a nickel to carry their lunchboxes to the playground. <laughs> I couldn't do that. It's true. I recall that. Amanda, stop doing that. Okay. Make friends instead. No. <laughs> no, I want my friends to pay me to do things for them. Um, this one's from Beanie, who told me that I need to read this word because, in their words, my brother hates this word for inexplicable reasons. And that word is adequate. That's a good word. I don't know why no one <laughs> yeah. wouldn't like that. An incredible troll. <laughs> that attic has an ass that don't quit. <laughs> adequate. <laughs> Just Amanda reminded me the fact that this whole the name of the thing came from my third grade novel, which I sold to my classmates during school. And I realized that um, Eric, I'm gonna need you to go back in all the descriptions and give me like a uh, inspired by credit. You know, <laughs> actually, Brandon, this is all fair use, so you're fucked. <laughs> You you sent us the image um, via Slack, so it belongs to Slack now. Yep. <laughs> All right, I'm going to do two from the Discord. This one's from Mage Silverleaf. Um, Good morning, campers. In light of the teeth of the field and the blood of the water, we're getting a visit from forensic scientists. <laughs> They've offered to show us how teeth are dated. Space is limited, so speak to your counselors if you want to go to the demonstration. That's In light cool. of the kids dying, we're getting visited by the police. <laughs> yeah, a mortician. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure all waffles is not a balanced diet for children. <laughs> No, probably not. Th- it's the fillings that matter, Amanda. That's true. That's you true. can put vegetables. You can put like a bucket of broccoli rob in a waffle, and that's that's nutrients. That's true. That's Ooh, true. like a broccoli rob and sausage waffle. Fuck me up. That sounds so good. Man, the they do wild shit in waffles. There's a the the bar that we really love to go to has an incredible restaurant inside of it called I Like Food, and they're my favorite place in the entire world. Yeah, if you come to New York City, come to Ridgewood to go to I Like Food. It's yeah. so worth it. So they they took a bunch of stuff off their menu, including our favorite wings, which Rip. are elote wings, where it's like covered in elote stuff. It's so good. But now it's off the menu, but they have all the stuff, so you can just ask for it off the menu, which is somehow better, which I love. But the point of why you said it now they have a pernil and broccoli. Rob oh. sandwich, and I want to get it so bad. It's like equal parts pernil and broccoli rob. It yeah. looks so good in like a in like an Italian several. All right, Fear the Moose asked me to read as much B movie as possible, so <laughs> I chose I chose apparently. Here's the plot of B movie where a bee goes to the human world, falls in love with a human, and then sues humanity yeah. for taking all their honey. I did not know that until this moment. <laughs> Brandon, <laughs> why haven't you existed on the internet for ten years? <laughs> So this is from the Jerry Seinfeld B's speech to everyone as as part of the the defense, the prosecution B. I don't know. Ladies and gentlemen, there's no trickery here. I'm just an ordinary bee. Honey's pretty important to me. It's important to all bees. We invented it. We make it and we protect it with our lives. Unfortunately, there's some people in this room who think that they can take from us because we're just the little guys. I'm hoping that after all this is over, you'll see how, by taking our honey, you'll not only take everything we have, but everything we are. And what's the deal with that? 
I do remember from the commercial of her B movie where the B goes up and he goes, Ahem. Buzz, 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 buzz. Nah, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, guys, B movie came out exactly 15 years and four weeks ago today. Oh, no. I hate that a lot. Coincidence? Time is, sli- time Coincidence? is truly slipping. Yes. I think not. True. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm going to do these last ones quick. Wise Girl the Bean wanted me to honk like a goose as uh, honk. <laughs> I'm a goose. Honk, honk, honk. <laughs> I wrote, that's the best I could do, unfortunately. <laughs> this is from this is from Kim's, who wanted to give a shout out to someone who they love, uh, their best friend, who says, Killian Bishop is the most amazing human and friend that Kim has ever had, and he appreciates everything that she does so much. Cute. And finally, this one is from Frasier, who really wanted me to say this about them. And they are doing a self-insert into this stuff. Camper Frasier has found a nest of squirrels in the rafters of the Flycatcher cabin. On an unrelated note, if you see any aggravated squirrels with a hand in their hands, please report to a member of the camp of the camp staff. Leave those squirrels alone. Well done. An incredible service, Eric, you're doing for our community. Thank you. This reminds me, I'm pretty sure at some point in my grade school career, there was like a va- Valentine's Day thing where you could like pay $2 to have a mm-hmm. Valentine read to someone oh, over the intercom. No. Oh, no. Yeah. That yeah. sounds like a nightmare waiting nightmare. to happen. Did anyone like vet them? Are we saying that like if this would create inter inter kid drama, or someone would say something lewd because the the secretary Janice didn't read it before Whoa. she said it out loud? I, mean, <laughs> I think it. It was like elementary school, so I'm sure they vetted them, but also like, you know, it was all like anonymous, like, you know, Zane likes you, you know. Kind of oh, stuff. I have so one funny. more here. I have a crush on Brandon Krugel <laughs> from Anonymous. Damn, I didn't know the coffee ghost could pay this you with the event Lauren, you owe me $5. <laughs> Amazing. Well, folks, this is another after party uh, in the books. I can't wait to see how the woods shakes out and what mystery awaits us after that. But as always, you'll see us next week with a brand new episode. So say goodbye, players. Bye, guys. Later. You don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. And may your rolls try to ever have for it. Or middling. It depends on what you want. <laughs> it's fine in the middle. It yeah. just creates better it's story. Fine, it's fine, it's fine. better than the story. It's all good. You just need to demonstrate you really mean it. <laughs> okay. See you next week. We have to do a real intro this time. We can't just yes, start talking about Pokemon for five we minutes will. and then Amanda says, hey, hey, hello. Yes. Um, oh, good. I was okay. looking for this. I'm going to do the count But did now. you see the Wiggle guy or whatever, though? Oh, my God. Yes, no, I saw Brandon. Wiglet. Brandon yeah, wakes Wiglet. up every day and chooses chaos. It's not going to happen today. All right, let's think. <laughs> every, day let's Bra- think. every day Brandon wakes up and chooses Wiglet. <laughs> All right, I'm ready. <laughs>